All right, the Anything But Quiet Time podcast, you will not be disappointed. But what if they're disappointed? We, we hope. We don't, we're not, we can't guarantee it. This uh, isn't Men's Warehouse. We don't guarantee anything. Can Can we get you, if you think you might get disappointed, to yeah. just stop it right now. Stop okay. the podcast right now and then just give us your five-star review. Boom, there you go. And we're done. Thank you. <laughs> Should we even do the rest of this episode? No, we're Rochelle and Carter. Uh, we work for Hope On Demand. And that if you discovered this through just your regular podcasting places, HopeOnDemand.com is a wealth of hope there from Christian mm-hmm. artists with devotionals, with other podcasts, the Art of Friendship podcast. There's a new one called Uke and Study, as in you can study, but it's like ukulele. Yeah. Uke and Study. A little bit of both there going on with, with Bible knowledge. So I love the videos that we have up there online with some of the artists that we listen to in Christian music today. But there's also this guy named Lee Strobel. Mm-hmm. And uh was just listening to him again today. He's such an inspirational guy, super down to earth. I've had the pleasure of getting to talk with him a few times. And uh, the verse that his wife prayed over him, because this guy was big time non-believer in Christ. In fact, claimed to be an atheist. Uh, yeah. Was a reporter. I think it was for the Chicago Tribune. Does that sound right? It, Chicago Tribune was right. And I don't know how he ended up in, in Houston, but he's... Uh, well, he's here now. Across the country. We'll take him. But yeah, it was when he was working for the newspaper that his wife became a believer in Christ, which ruffled his feathers because he was an atheist. I'm going to prove that wrong. And so he goes out on this this journey. And The Case for Christ is the book that came out of that journey and became a, a film, major motion picture. It was so good. But his wife prayed a prayer, a scripture verse. I think it's Ezekiel 36, 26. I think that's what it is. But it talks about your heart of stone being replaced with a heart of flesh. And she just was like, Lord, you know, redeem the situation here. Revive his heart, you know, make it yours. And after years of um, praying for him, I mean... I say years. I got to be honest. I don't know the time frame. Like it was from beginning at to least end. months because he did this, uh, the research yeah. project of trying to prove the resurrection. Like wrong. he went overseas. Yeah. He went across the world. And so eventually he found that there it would take more faith to be an atheist than it would take more faith to be a Christian. Yeah. So. And so I start out with comments about atheism. Uh, C.S. Lewis is another very just <laughs> he's he's a name that most people know about, at least if you've watched the movie, The Chronicles of Narnia and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I loved reading the books when I was a child. Uh, certainly, he's written books like Mere Christianity. And and uh, I, I think that he's one of my favorite people to point as well to, like with Lee Strobel, because he is a very famous atheist-turned-Christian. Yeah. And it came to a place where he's like, the same as Lee. It's like, okay, I would have to have more faith. And I think he really, he, it's like he relented. It wasn't even a jumping into the arms of Jesus experience. It was just like, fine, mm-hmm. this is real. I have to accept it. Like from a total intellectual standpoint is how I I feel like he, he finally relented, <laughs> gave in yeah. and then gave it all. He put all of his heart into, into the love of who Jesus was. And I don't know why we resist stuff that's real. I find that, <laughs> but we um, do. that many, that if, if you're willing to do the research and really focus on, I'm just saying if you're not a believer mm-hmm. or, or have questions, there's always going to be the hard questions that we won't get answers to. But if you just want to find out if this is true and mm-hmm. the history of it, 
I really do think that the people that put in the work and the research and and are truly seeking an answer yeah. will find it. Because you could, I think a lot of people would just stop mid-research and, and go, well, see how hard this is? So you just can't be true. There's a want to not believe. Yeah, there is. And so you have to find an unbiased, um, I guess, point of view yeah. would be the right way of saying it. Yeah. So, well, of course you believe that. It came from a Christian researcher. Or, mm-hmm. well, again, Lee Strobel was set out. Yeah. <laughs> he Technically, at that time, he was a researcher that wasn't a Christian. He was right? checking in with everybody. Who he was like, this person's going to support my my opinion here, and he's mm-hmm. like, if I can prove that Christ did not raise from the dead, yeah, but he didn't have enough proof. I mean, there were like five hundred people that claimed to have seen the risen Savior after Jesus. It was documented after Jesus's resurrection, and so just it was fascinating his journey. If you haven't watched the movie, it's great. His books are amazing. There are pieces of him uh, audio-wise and visually. You can watch the videos right there at hopeondemand.com, which is why I brought it up. But um, you read through a book like what I've been reading through in Ecclesiastes, and you're like, man, this is just depressing. Like this, Solomon writes this after, you know, he's written so many Proverbs. And here's this wise guy, you know, his dad is David, yeah, King, King, King David. David. Right. You know, it. he's got all of this right working for him. And you read through Ecclesiastes, and it's just a bummer, some of it. <laughs> well, really no point to life. Life is pointless. Smoke, smoke, it, and more smoke. It's all, yeah, blown in the wind. Mm-hmm. That's what he keeps going back to. It's blown in the wind. At the very end of the book, it's interesting because he does conclude the most important thing you can do, the wisest thing you ever do, is is to obey God to follow after him with all your heart, which is interesting because if you if you don't read the underlying subtext of the book of Ecclesiastes, it's like, well, what's the point then? Mm-hmm. If rain falls on the good and the bad, why should I be good if it doesn't merit me in this life? Because that guy over there who's doing everything wrong is getting good stuff. That doesn't make any sense. He said, you know, I've, I've clearly seen people who have lived the way they should live in God and they will have bad stuff happen to them. And we've talked about that before. Why does bad stuff happen to good people? So you read through a book like that and you're thinking, wow, this could very easily sway you in your faith. This could make you maybe look at, do atheists have it a little bit right? Well, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the what? That's the truth. That's the if if God's real. Yeah. Because if not, then there's no standard for morality. We covered that a little bit last week. And that means you take something as simple as cutting in line. Mm-hmm. Why would I not cut in line every every chance I get? Much less do all sorts of you know more immoral stuff. Yeah, because this life is pointless, and then I should just get whatever I want and chase every good feeling that I possibly can. So moral subjectivism would be the way to go. I think what Solomon is trying to point to is if you are trying to have some sort of magic elixir statement. Mm-hmm. Where if I just do this right. plus this, it will equal this, a good life. That that's not going to happen. That's what Solomon is saying. But he does. There's this beautiful account. It's probably the, it's the one I've quoted the most passage from Ecclesiastes when it says there's a time for everything. If there is a time for everything, there is a point and a time to live and a point and a time to die, to laugh, to cry. All these things that he goes through, then there must be some sp- there must be some sort of a 
a master plan there. Yeah. And so if that's true, then Romans 8.28 can easily make it into my view of like working all things together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Right. Not mine. That's the key. I think we usually leave that latter part of the verse off because it's funner to go. He works it all together for good. It's true. But it's for his purpose. Yeah. So even though I may. Let's say, God forbid, you know, one day I I fall ill. And it's one of those things where it's like I don't get better. Uh, We pray for healing. um, And it just it doesn't necessarily come my way. This this side of heaven. My healing is with Jesus in eternity. I, all right, then I, can I still, can my family still choose to trust God that perhaps my passing along when others might say it was too soon brings God glory in some way, because there is a time set for all of these things. Mm -hmm. And so the Solomon is trying to encourage us to grab hold of those moments. You'll hear reiterated over and over again. So my philosophy is, We enjoy eating. We enjoy drinking. We enjoy these moments that God really capitalizes on the things that he has given us that are good. And we are truly to savor them, to embrace the moments. They're not all going to look like we feel like they should in a Hollywood movie. I think most of the actors in Hollywood would tell you that that's not real. Right. So I, I do love the balance. Once you read it and you understand what he's talking about, you say it's all we're all blowing in the wind. It's true. We are. Well, what's the point? Well, it's his point. It's his purpose. Can I get in line with that? Am I okay with that? Can I trust him with the outcome? Well, the answer should be yes to all of those things. The The question really is, will I comply? Yeah. <laughs> will I choose to release control as if I ever had it over to the one who is in control because he's always had it? And recognize he is sovereign and he's making the best choices. That's why the best prayer that we can ever pray is to ask him for the things that we do desire, but then always back it up with thy will be done, Father. Yeah. Because you know it's best. The That's the thing is I, it, it takes the pressure off when we do that because we we put a lot of pressure on ourselves of, is this the right job? Is this the right apartment? Is this yeah. the right... I think a lot more stuff like that falls into line than we realize. Mm-hmm. I think God, he's got our back. And and I think we have a lot, because we know we have free will, we have a lot more choices than we realize. You know, you could have ended up with somebody else in marriage and it would have been fine. There's not a plan B, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's just what, are you chasing after your God, after God in whatever your situation is? Mm-hmm. You know, do I take this job? Do I take this job? I just feel like I'm not hearing from God. Well, you choose. And, and then honor God wherever you are. I saw this show yesterday, and they were talking about relationships, specifically romantic relationships. And, um, you know, there's all this romantic buzz about, oh, it was written in the stars was the terminology they used. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, you know, I do believe that some romantic relationships it is like that kind of like oh it's written in the stars it's just things fall into line and then he said i also believe that there are other relationships where you write your love story together and i thought that was really an interesting way of looking at it um and i think um i think that's kind of what you're talking about it's like all right there are some things that just will automatically boom 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 they line up and it's awesome 
And it just feels like, oh, this must be a God thing because it's just all these doors are opening. And then there are other times where you felt like you heard God's voice in something. Then it almost feels like you hit doors jam after door jam after door. It's like, wait, uh-huh. I thought I heard God. So, yeah, it's one of those things where um, it, it's not necessarily not God if you keep meeting obstacles. Right. Right. And it's not necessarily God when you don't. Yeah. So constantly saying, all right, Lord, thy will be done. Would you be Lord over my life in this day, in these ways, in this moment, in my choices? And I I think when God sees your heart in that, he honors the choice you make. Mm. I, I do think he does because you are putting him first. Yeah. It's not a selfish reason that you're taking this job or not. A, I'm putting you first. This is what I, I I'm just going to walk this out. And I often pray, pray the prayer. Uh, if it's not for me, but please shut the door really, really, really hard. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's a great way to pray, honestly, because we, we get in our heads about it. And yeah, you're so right. If, if this is a job that in fact, um, yeah, FYI, if there's kids around, just, just FYI here, um, a little sensitive matter. I have a friend and he has a relative that is so talented with marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is working at a strip club in, okay. in the marketing department. Um, and so he's, my friend's a believer. He's very proud of her with how good she is at marketing. Yeah. But clearly this would fall into one of those categories. Working at the place that she's working is not part of God's will. Mm. It's just not. It just it just can't be doing ministry around a place like that is is one thing. Working and promoting a place like that is an entirely different thing. Mm. And so it just it doesn't fall in line with his word. That is a sinful thing. Um, Plenty of things to say, you know, if you've been in that world before trying to get out of it and no judgment, just saying we know that's not God's will. And so a job like that Mm. because of benefit to feed family or to this is just a stepping stone to get to this job though that will honor god mm. no th- those are the things that you can just go doesn't it fall in line with scripture no okay then this is definitely not the job for me i'm taking this other one mm. but but if if they're pretty apples to apples and you're like okay it's it's a job that is you know let's just say in oil and this other job's in <clears throat> electric or yeah. tech and you're like well i don't know well, well, that that's that's when you choose and God honors that that decision. I think the hesitancy that you might feel if it's if it's pronounced, then and there's a lack of peace there. Mm-hmm. I've heard the term often, and I'm ever discovering what it means. But to follow your peace, okay, right? Um, we've talked about the difference between feelings and what is factual, right? And if Jesus gives peace that passes understanding, to me, it's a truth. It's a fact. It is a thing. It's it's something that I could have for my life. It's not a feeling per se. You know what I mean? So if I have a peace about something, there is just a, a calm over a decision that I feel like that that's, that's the where and the way that you should go. Then you come to those forks in the road where you don't necessarily have an inkling one way or another. There, there's no hesitancy mm-hmm. per se. Then, like what you're talking about, you stepping in the direction you're like, Lord, if this is the wrong one, please close the door. But I, I don't have a lack of peace in regards to it. Mm. So that you move forward. But in those circumstances where it's like I'm trying to get a step up in the world, and I'm going to take a job that is not 
favorable in my heart. Like there's something there that I've, I feel resistant towards. That may very well be the Holy Spirit saying, uh-uh, mm-hmm. that ain't for you. And so that therefore you don't have peace in regards to it. You need to follow where you know the peace of God is, which he can take you through. We, as we've discussed before, you can go through storms, but still have peace. So I, sure. I'm not saying it has to be a calm, smooth journey. I'm talking about inside your yeah. spirit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I can really relate not the, with the woman's job and taking the, uh, that job and it per se with the strip club. I'm, I know nothing about marketing, but like as an actor, mm-hmm. I remember thinking, oh gosh, I really want to get that part. And I may have to kind of put, um, when I audition for this, I may have to put to the side my belief system. I'm just playing a part. And so there are people who have played parts um, who are very openly Christian and they've not felt an obstruction in their spirit. They've not felt a lack of peace. And so they are able to quote, play the devil because somebody needs to play that character right, in right. a morality tale, right? Yeah. But for me, there was a very clear, conscious thing that I was I was going against my own moral code. And I would go and audition for this part knowing full well I shouldn't be doing that in the first place. Well, I just want to get a leg up. If they, they see me on the stage, then they'll be able to give me the next part or whatever. We all, it's... it's to some degree, have this temptation in front of us, whatever it looks like. So it may not be as overtly, hey, this isn't probably where I should be at the strip club or whatever, as that woman's situation. I'll give it you an example. Maybe more subtle. I'll go, here's the subtle example. Okay. I am feel like I'm called to, I feel like God has given me the talents and abilities and the and the purpose and the um, posi- positioning to do what I do here with the Anything But Quiet Time podcast and Hope On Demand and the radio show that we do. And I visited a friend in our small group a few years ago that he was my age and worked in oil mm-hmm. go to his house and his house is bigger than most of my parents' friends' houses no. when I was in high school. He's in oil and yes. you do a radio show. That's exactly so. right. Right. Okay. <laughs> so telling my wife like, well, is that something that, you know, should I maybe think about, see what kind of opportunities they have with oil and and it's just like that would be that would be wrong for, for, wrong for me for me clearly yeah. it wasn't for my friend because that was just his job mm-hmm. and obviously the ups and downs of oil that was a perk for him at the time there's nothing wrong with perks uh but that was his calling this mm-hmm. is mine and to actively go against what especially i've already realized that god i of course i feel my conviction is that he's given me and go, well, I'm going to go put all this aside just so mm-hmm. I can make money. Mm. Uh, to, for me in my situation would have been wrong. Checking the motives. Yeah, it, the motive it was was is the key there. Yeah. And sometimes it's, uh, sometimes you may have good motives even. What if it's a complete opposite? Well, I need to do this in order to, to save somebody. You may have good yeah. intentions, but God's like, wait a second. I didn't call you to save people. I did that. Sure. I saved people. Sure. I called you to obedience. And you leave that, whatever you're thinking about that situation, up to me because I've called you through this mm. door. Yeah. Um, there's so many different different ways we can disobey. We're, well, we're all different people, right? <laughs> That's and so true. for the black and white part of it is, does it go against scripture? Yeah. Okay. It doesn't. 
Well, then you are going to have to make the decision and you talk to God about what's unique to you because there's some gray area too. There's a black and white for all of us. Mm -hmm. And then there's the gray area that only you can answer those questions with God. We've talked about that even when in the book of Romans with Paul in discussing about, well, why is it okay for some people to eat? Yeah, Romans 14. The meat and some of us not to eat the meat. And you can talk to your blue in the face with people who disagree with you on this matter or that matter. At the end of the day, it's like, okay, what do we know absolute that we believe? What are the absolutes we will not sway on? And then can we can we call this what this is? This is the gray area subject. Right, right. And for some, there is no gray area. For some, it is all black and white for them. I want it to be, but because it would make life easier. <laughs> but at the same time, we're all on our own journey. And so yeah. so if, like, like, an, like an actor, I think that's a perfect example. The actor that has to play the devil. Okay, well, there's a conviction Mm -hmm. and there is some people are going to be comfortable with some things and some people aren't. And that's I think that's that's the gray area. Yeah. But then you get to well, I'm an actor. What movies do you do? They're X rated. You're wrong. (laughs) Boom. Done. It's not. No, not your conviction. It's just wrong. Yeah. It's interesting because I've had that conversation so many times in my young life when that was, you know, I I got my degree in theater, Mm -hmm. which children, let me just tell you something about that. Look, follow your dreams. But at the same time, make sure you can get a job after college. (laughs) God opened up the door and and it led to this incredible uh, pathway into the radio world where I get get to play Christian music. Mm -hmm. I get to talk on this cool podcast. This is great. But uh, I I had a lot of challenges when it came to auditions because there were things that I just knew if my grandfather was in the audience, that it would upset me that it would upset him if I had taken a role. Do you know what I mean? Well, and like, did you would you have felt comfortable and not convicted? Uh, and you would just just it would just be your grandfather, or or was it both? I think I used him as like a gauge. Okay, as an eighteen yeah. year old or whatever it was that I was. Yeah. At the time, and I would use him as a gauge. It's like, okay, am I comfortable? It's like, if Jesus was in the room, listen, if if Jesus and I are comfortable, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if my Sunday school class is in the room, am I still okay with this? Yeah. Is there a very clear line in this play of good and evil? Or does it get muddled? If it gets muddled, it's not necessarily a bad play. It probably raises some really important questions about the meaning of life and such, because things aren't necessarily all black and white. But I, I also wanted to be very clear what my role is here on this stage. And I, I if I cross a line with my own moral code, yeah. I know I've done that. Yeah. And it was a big struggle. So praying through that, saying, Lord, what do you think? And I think there was definite hesitancy with certain roles. And I won't lie to you. There were times where I still auditioned for him, mm-hmm. even though I felt that mm, I wasn't following the piece that I was talking about. And are, did you get those roles? Uh, one of them I auditioned for. I got a call back well, specifically for the role, and I was not cast. I was very grateful for that. I think sometimes God allows grace. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> but there was one role I went ahead and auditioned for, and then I realized I can't get around the language that was in the play and okay. in the script. And I'm like, I, I got cast in the lead. And I said, I'm very, very sorry. And I, it may have come across as judgmental. I should have done my research and homework before auditioning for it in the first place. <laughs> um, 
but I didn't. Knowing you, you were reading the script on the way while <laughs> while driving. I, on I read the, the script way for the, the first the, time while yeah, I was auditioning. While you were reading it, yes. <laughs> oh, there's a four letter word. Interesting. Um, uh, there was no, a good, lot of four letter words in there. Good so. for you, though. Good well, for you. Well, but not always did I do that, and I, you know, it was one of those things where I think God, there's always grace for you, and He's He's such a loving God. When when you mess up, when you start knocking on the door, the hesitant one. You know, there's grace for you. We've all messed up. We've all sinned. We've all been led astray. But the the point is, is that to come back to the cross every time, Lord, I'm so sorry. I messed up. Mm-hmm. I'm thank you. I'm thanking you for grace. And I want to learn from this moment. I want to get better at this because my kids are watching, because my friends are watching. I don't want them to go down the wrong path too. It's not about them. It's not even about my influence on them, but I know that I have influence and I want to do the best in this life that I can do. I want you, Lord, to be the, to be able to say to me, well done. Mm. You know, that's, I would really like that. I want to bring joy to my father, just like I know my kids want to bring joy to them, to me, even though, you know, they're my kids. They're always going to be loved in my eyes. Right. Right. Uh, I think that ties in well to what, um, my thing is, and and simply this is just an internal question for all of us. Um, we have talked a lot about faith, a lot about how that, uh, how you're saved and what the process is. And then in this next part of Romans 6, because by the way, I guess I'll recap that, uh, that you are saved, you have assurance, you have confidence, you have a guarantee, different translations use those words, that the the assurance that you have is by faith alone, right there in Romans 4, 16. If you have faith like Abraham's without obeying the law of Moses, if you have faith like Abraham's, you have assurance of salvation. Mm. So we don't have to be perfect. And that's just kind of a process. There's two fancy words, justification, that the faith process, and then you're good with God. Ultimately, Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice. If you put your trust in him, you're just, you're going to heaven. But then there's the sanctification process of the living more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think all of us should be inspired by these words. It's a scary, it's, you know, kind of a couple of scary verses, not super scary, but in Romans six to start off the chapter, well, then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace, right? I mean, we should just abound in grace and we'll just sin however we want. <laughs> and you know, that's what, that's his point, right? Why shouldn't we just let God be more powerful and show more of his, his grace. And verse two says, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death yeah. for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised, for, raised from the dead by the glorious power of the father, now we may also now we also may live new lives. And so the call here, we are not perfect. We will not be perfect. But I think as times as as you just grow in wisdom and knowledge about the Lord, there are things that you go, wow, that I don't need to do that anymore. Mm. There are, you know, jokes I don't need to make. There are situations I don't need to put myself in. There are things I don't need to watch. You just, and it, again, maybe maybe you put away one show and then a couple of years later, a, another similar show comes out and you don't realize like, oh no, no, this is the the dumb stuff I was, I said I was done with. 
And so it's an ongoing journey, but I think that's just a great call for all of us just to check in, not questioning salvation or anything like that. I'm talking about you're good with Jesus. So how are we living? Mm. You know, if you're in the kitchen with your mom, go back all those years, you're little and you're helping her bake a cake. Mm -hmm. And then you make a mess all over the floor because you accidentally spill it. And then you're overwhelmed by the kindness and grace your mother shows you and says, it's all right, honey, cleans up your mistake. How stupid would it be to purposefully for the next 10 cake baking sessions Mm -hmm. purposefully spill the cake mix because you want to see that same reaction from your mom? It doesn't make any sense. No, it does not. And no cakes get baked where people can enjoy the fruit of your labor. This may be the best analogy you've ever had. The best one. This is that is really, really good because, yes, there's benefit in the cake. So that people can enjoy, enjoy the, the cake, the fruit of the labor. There it is. And you're not screwing around, just, yeah. you know, throwing flour everywhere. You dropped it again? Well, because you love your mom. Well, yeah. So you don't want to take advantage of that situation. And that's why even while you were you were talking with, with your thing, I thought of this We the Kingdom song. Oh. You can see one of their live concerts, by the way, at HopeOnDemand.com. They've done the, a, a virtual concert for us. And it's this part of the song, Holy Water. to change we don't want to abuse the grace and yet the irony mm-hmm. is that we do need it every day yeah we do but are we living like ah uh, yeah i'll be good there's that grace thing or are we going i want to i genuinely love yeah. god yeah. i want to seek after him i will trip on the way there but mm-hmm. i'm not focusing on that i'm focusing on him it's about the growing process too you know our children over time realize like We'll make those calls in the middle of the night, Carter. You've got Ezra's own. He's one years old now. Mm-hmm. He's one year old. So those nights where you're up all night and you're patting his back, he's got a tummy ache or whatever it is, you're going to remember, hey, my dad and my mom did this for me. And now you're going to have this amazing understanding and more appreciation for the grace that was extended to you as a child. Uh, because nothing you earned. It was just given because you were unconditionally loved. Right. And the older we grow in Jesus, like there is this, this level of, you know, joining into the faith of Jesus Christ where we're going to be on a toddler level and we're just receiving mm-hmm. and we're figuring out what what does it mean to receive grace? What did it mean for Jesus to die on the cross? What does this all mean? And as we grow, we realize the amazing gift that it is. But if we don't grow, then we're going to constantly be in that abuse of grace life place. Mm. And we weren't meant to stay as toddlers in Christ. Right. We were meant to grow in him. Yeah. I think that one is a very simple one. And so I, I think where we leave it is just with you. You know, there's there's no, we you're, you're listening and you're on your own journey and whatever things that you feel that you need to put away and move on from and release whatever the verse is that Paul writes, release the weights so that we can run the race like we should. Amen. And um, thank you for being here. Thank thank you for joining us in this, this yeah. uh, very nice time. We love you. You're awesome. I'm going to hit the now music we're gonna now. Play the music. I'm going to hit now the music. Play. There we go. There's the, uh, there's the, there's the cue to that leave. That means we stop yeah. talking. All right. So why are we still talking? You are. Why? Is- <laughs> <laughs>